0: Because we're a limited space, and uh, at some of the other churches he's going to, he's drawing up 2,000 people. And so um, we want to really, really encourage you. Buy your tickets. Um, They are going to be available again today after the service. And we, as a congregation, we have about uh, 100 tickets. That means 200 couples from here, but they are also um, tickets at Blessings. And so if you are also in Windsor or in Leamington at the Blessings there, you can buy tickets there as well. But I would really encourage you. This is a couples-only night, and so it's for couples. Uh, what they are going to do is going to start off with mostly humor, and they have an artist coming out, and then after that, there will be some uh, you know practical help for marriages. And so I want to really encourage you uh, to get your tickets and to uh, enjoy that event. Let's, let's open a word of prayer, and then we will uh, begin the sermon.. <coughs> Father God, I want to too, as Jake already did, I want to lift Haiti to you this morning. And and Lord, it, it is awkward being in this comfortable environment when we are aware that there is so much suffering. And so Father, we pray right now that you would just comfort there. and We pray God that you would rescue, and that you would save. And we pray God for, the, for your strength to be on the leaders. And we pray God for your unity to be among the civilians And we just pray for Your grace in that situation. Words fail us to know how to pray. And so we pray that You, O God, would reign. And we just together lift Haiti to You this morning. And we ask You, God, to perform a miracle. In Your name I pray. Amen. This morning I want to talk about um, a word that I trust, or I'm assuming you have all heard many, many times. And uh, the word is community. And most of us, we have heard, you know, of different communities. We we have words like, you know, the Mennonite community, and um, uh, you know, we talk about being in the Mennonite community, and uh, we all know what that's what that's all about. Is this on? If I leave this mic, no. All right, stay here. Um, and so, one of the one of the words that we often hear about is, is you know, being a Mennonite community. Um, we talk about being a community church. And these are, you know, these are different words that are out there, different ways of using this word. And, and what I want to look at this morning is just how can we use, or how does this word community fit into for us? How, how are we going to live out being a community? I went to a, a person's blog and I have like a list of blogs that I visit quite frequently. And, and this guy's uh, Mark uh, Marco, that's just what we call him. And he had this blog out and in that blog he had these two pictures. And I'll just ask Dan to show the first one. There you got this, you know, very clear sign—a community lounge—and it's it's right there. You can't really miss it. Um, you know, there it is. But if you look at the next picture, um, you see it's it's a little hidden. It, it's not you know as clear as it was the first time. And and he wrote a little description. That this is actually the back of the church. Uh, it's not up front. And and he wrote something in his blog that kind of you know just. Definitely goes well with what I'm speaking on here today, and I just thought it was something to, to think about. He says it, it's interesting, if you look at that sign, he says it says something about the value of community in this church. The community lounge is at the back of the church, and unless you're right in front of the door, you can't really see where, where it is. It made me think a little bit. I wonder if it's possible sometimes that if you are in the in-group in church and you're part of what's going on, and you've been here for a long time, you know where the sign is. You know very clearly that's where the community is. But if you're not as much in the in crowd, or if you're maybe new, you drop in a few times, would you recognize the community as clearly? Is it as visible to you? Or is it a little bit like the sign where you kind of got it? Well, I know there's community around here, but it's not as clear for you as it is maybe for others who know exactly where it is. We throw the word community around pretty quickly, very easily. It's like, oh yeah, community this, community that, and it's used in good and bad. Churches will attach the word community, as I already said. So we have, you know, the Leamington EMMC Community Church. Can we just add one more C to the many letters we already have, and... Um, There you go. We have the, you know, it's so easy. The Community Church of the Leamington EMMC. Just throw that word in there anywhere and off we go. Churches will come up with beautiful taglines like this, you know, your place to belong. And I am not bashing, not not at all. I'm not saying anything bad about that. But we take this word community and we just sort of throw it out there and say, oh yeah, we're a community of believers. So let's look at this a little bit and say, well, what are, what are we really talking about when we talk about community? A man by the name of Henry um, loved the author, he's an amazing author, and I read a number of his books. He said this, The mental and the spiritual health of a community depends largely on the way its members live their most personal lives as a service to their fellow human being. The health, the mental and the spiritual health of a community is the service that you do for other human beings. Community is about meeting needs. Community is about meeting needs of other people. We can get together like this, and this is beautiful. This is awesome. This is necessary. But in one of the resources that I used to prepare this sermon, it said that very often, this is more of a crowd, we need this as well. This sort of corporate worship, this being together in a large you know, group of people, it's excellent. We need this. It's, but it's not necessarily a community. A community is a place where needs are met. And we'll, we'll talk much more about that. Mother Teresa once said, the greatest disease today is not leprosy or cancer. It's the feeling of being uncared for, the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, of being deserted and alone. So many times, the people that need the community the most are people who are lonely. The people that need community the most are the people that have nobody. Tells us, community meets a need. It is not just a gathering of people. We just came back a few weeks ago, or a week ago, um, two weeks ago, I guess, sorry, uh, from Passion. Passion uh, 2010. uh, Cross the border with and say, where are you going? We're going to Passion. Okay, inside joke. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things the border guy kind of looks at you and says, uh, say again, where? Passion 2010. And, oh, okay, that sounds a little better, but could you have any information on that? It's like, interesting. But anyway, uh, side point. We came back from that. 21,000 people. In this arena, the Phillips arena. If you were there, it's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, they had, you know, the singing and the speakers and just the different things that they did. You're in that environment and you are just blown away. You know, they got m- more um, equipment than, you know, we, I think we would ever need in this place, or definitely need in this place. And you are just blown away by the sheer volume of sound in the environment that you're in. Now what happens though is, you're there 21,000 people, singing like crazy, listening to speakers, but it's possible to be there with 21,000 people and be completely alone. It's possible to be in this room today with 400 some people and feel completely alone. Just because you gather in a large number does not mean... That you have a community. I want to read to you from, uh, from this book by uh, from, uh, Henry Nowen. He, um, he's writing about it. Said Tuesday, December 31st. I don't know the year. And it's his journal. This whole book is just his journals. And a beautiful, uh, lovely reading. But he wants to go to, to church service for New Year's Eve. And so he's with some family, and he's like, you know, let's go to church. Let's bring in the New Year at church. Let's head off to church, and we'll go to church, and this is something they do. And nobody in his family wants to go, so finally his six-year-old niece is willing to go with him. And so they go off to church, and he says he's disappointed in how few people came out. It was really just him and his niece and, and, and the priest and a few other people. And then he wrote this at the end of that. He says, The event that followed was pleasant and friendly. With a splendid dinner, good conversation, paying to welcome the new year. No prayers, no scripture readings as in the past. I kept wondering how in one generation such a pious family could lose so completely its connection with God and God's church. It's hard for me to celebrate with my whole being, when there is so little to celebrate. And then he adds this line, I feel lonely while being so close to those who are dear to me. Here's a guy who is surrounded by people, and he's now back with his family, and they're having a dinner and somehow there's nothing that they have in common. His desire is to, to live for God. His desire is to worship God, to go to church and to, to engage with God and His family. Let's have a nice dinner. Let's have a nice time together. And here he is feeling completely alone. Anybody know what this is? Anybody know what this is? Oh, oh, you, you? Okay, go ahead. What's this? It's a, Lego brick. it's a Lego brick. Who's all heard of Legos? I brought the smallest one I could find, possibly find so no one could see it, but um, this is a Lego. It's got the Lego brand on it. Inside, it has the actual serial number, 226. So if you'd ever you know, lose this and you desperately needed this piece, you could call Lego up, give them the number 226, and they will ship this little thing to you. Now, parents... And kids, if it was Christmas, and uh, you decided to buy your kids a Lego, you wrap this thing all up, put a nice little bow on it, and you give it to them, and they, you know, they shred it open, and ta-da, one piece of Lego, how thrilled would your kids be? Okay, kids, would that be your best Christmas present ever? No. (laughs) Has anybody ever received just a Lego piece? Has anybody ever lost a Lego piece? Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere. My vacuum cleaner's finding them all over the place. Um, Legos were not designed to be alone. This was never designed to be a piece all by itself. You know, you could, I guess, you know, pretend, you know, pretend it's a, a dirt bike. You could fake build and then you know put another one there. Woo! Look at that house. You know, the chimney. You know. I have no idea. You could do all kinds of things, but you'd really need to use your imagination. You see, the thing that you need is you need more Legos. The creators of Lego, they knew that one piece in itself, boring. One piece in itself, pretty much useless. So what did they do? They created lots of Legos. And this is only a small sample. Let me just give you an idea. This is what we wake up to every morning. Thank you, Simon. Um, but you know, you have lots of pieces. And you can build all kinds of stuff with Legos. I have a friend, his name is Tree. And the reason his name is Tree is he's about six foot six, And he is 35, 40 years old. He's a Lego maniac, this guy. If you ever just join him as a friend and he'll love you because he's like thrilled because he has two Canadian friends and... We just bumped into him again. A passion, just randomly, like, "Aye!" I'm like, "Oh yes, yes, I'm a Canadian." Hey guys, this is my Canadian friend. It's just so tree. If you ever listen to the sermon, I mentioned you. Um, and he is like, "You should see this stuff." This guy builds with Legos. But I asked Simon yesterday if he would quickly throw something together for me, and and he built this thing—a rock, something. I don't know. This thing is uh, is a little creation of Simon's. Now look at this thing. You needed many pieces of Lego to develop this, to put this together. It's got bombs and who knows all the way back there. I don't know what you're thinking, Simon, but anyway. Um, <coughs> little, little concerns. Dynamite, sorry. So different. Um, and then you got, you know, you got your one Lego or this. Now kids, let me ask you, simple quick. Which one would you rather get? This one? Oh, okay. Uh, gladly. Probably this one, right? See, the weird thing with this one piece of Lego... You can do all kinds of stuff with this. This little piece of Lego can go up top here. It could go all over the place. It could be inside. It could be on the bottom. It could be very, where it's very visible. It could be on the bottom where it's not seen at all. It could simply be a space filler. You know, you put it in here to, to build off of. The point is this. Lego designed Legos to be used together. They did not design this. You don't buy this thing complete. That would also defeat the point. God designed you and I to fit together with others. God designed us for community. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 5, it says this Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all function the same or func- have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The creators of Lego, they knew that if they would just make one piece like this, sales would not exactly go through the roof. But they knew if they designed Lego just right, that all the pieces would fit together, they had, they had a, um, a huge success. If my understanding is correct, you can buy any piece of Lego, and it will fit onto another piece of Lego. So community. God designed you and I to live in community. He designed you and I not to be alone. So community is not optional. God never designed humanity to, do, to make it on its own. He designed humanity so that we could join together. We call that the church. But we design, He designed us in order to be a community I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to, to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. And here's a description of community that we, that we often you know, refer to, or uh, you know, a, a picture of what the church should look like. And let me just read that for you. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is often the the passage of Scripture that we look at and say, well, what should church look like? What should church... How should church function? This is very often the passage of Scripture we we go to. And so I want to look at this a little bit and say, what does this teach us about community? What do we see in this passage that maybe helps us to understand how is community supposed to function and what is it? The first thing that we see, and I mentioned this already, is verse 34, verse 32. And that is this. Community meets others' needs. Community meets others' needs. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but they shared everything they had. So when I see that my wife has a need... I help take care of it. I'm concerned enough about her need that I will do something about it. Community is a place where needs are a priority. Community is a place not where we can just gather and it's like, oh, by the way, I have, I have a concern. Well, you know what? Save it. Save it. Grief. We're having a good time. Why would you interrupt us with what's going on in your life? Community is a place where we are concerned about each other's needs and we meet them. The other thing that community is, it's a place, a community will sacrifice for others. Chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, if we read it again, it says, There were no needy people among them, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. So at times... There were people in the community who made humongous sacrifices not for themselves, but for the sake of the community. Now you might be saying, well that's really nice if you're the guy that's poor. See, I I have this belief and that might be wrong. And this is something that just came into my head a couple days ago. I think sometimes when God has gifted us with a gift, and here they're referring to finances, but let it be whatever gift you have, When God has gifted us with a gift, I think that one of the needs that we have that comes along with that gift is to use it. I think that when we sit on our gifts, there's no joy in them. And so here's one example of a way that these people use the gifts that they had. They use what they had for the community, but it meant making a sacrifice. You may have a gift that's completely different God has given you that gift and for one of the needs that you have is to use that gift. Community means making sacrifices. And the other part of community which is found in chapter 5 is this. Community holds each other accountable. In Acts chapter 5 verse 3 and 5, we read about this couple and they're witnessing, you know, all these people giving money and And they're probably like, this is cool. like This is amazing. And here's what they decide to do. They decide, we're going to sell our land too. That's what that Barnabas guy did. And that seemed to help so many people. And and here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell a piece of land as well. How awesome. The problem is, they they try to deceive. They try to make it look like they were giving more than they actually were. And so they sold the land, but they kept some of the money for themselves. And, but they presented it as if though they had given everything. So they're presenting it as if we are making a really big sacrifice here for the community. And listen to what Peter says. Peter then said, verses 3, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Now that is a sermon in itself. Let's just stick with what we're talking about here today. What happens here? Ananias tries to get away with something, and he gets called out. Now, that's a little bit of a scary illustration for community because I think we all hope that community is not quite that fatal and final. You know, the next time you, uh, someone calls you out, boom, because we know what happens next. After Ananias hears Peter say this, he drops dead. Literally. He's done. He's over. His wife comes in, tries the same thing. Same thing happens to her. But one of the things we see about this, though, is that in community, we are held accountable. I have a number of people, and I'm not bragging, I'm just stating for the, for the sake of the sermon. A number of people who've come up to me and said, can you hold me accountable to something? We've had people that say, you know, it's so easy to skip church. Because once we get bigger, it's actually easy to not come and no one notices. It's easy for someone to hurt or to be struggling with something and no one notices. We have different people that say, you know, the, the thing I need right now is just, I just need accountability. I'm not doing, you know, horrible here, but I really don't want to get sucked back into what I once was. Can you hold me accountable? We don't necessarily like the idea of accountability, but I think if we're honest, there are times where we need it really bad. Community. One of the things that community will do is hold us accountable. Now let me ask you these questions, and these are not guilt-tripping kind of questions, just hopefully thought-provoking questions. Something to think about this morning. Do you live in a community that is concerned about your needs? Do you live in a community that is concerned about your needs? Do you live in a community that is making sacrifices for you? And do you live in a community that is holding you accountable? In other words... Do you have a group of people around you that make you a better person? Or is it just all fun? If you're not having fun, no point in getting together. Do you live in a community that is concerned about your needs, that will make sacrifices for you, and that will hold you accountable, all for the sake of making you a better person, making your relationship, or helping you have a better relationship with Christ? Now let's flip that question around and ask it this way. Do you live in a community where you are concerned about others' needs? Do you live in a community where you are making sacrifices for other people? Do you live in a community where you are holding others accountable? We've been doing home renovations. And I feel like I have about a three-inch coat of dust in my throat today. And it's <clears throat> and some of the other guys that were there yesterday... Um, Thank you for helping, and I hope you're still scratching away as well. But see, one of the things that happens is sometimes you need community there for you. And yesterday was just a beautiful example of that. Starts off in the morning, 8 a.m., there's me and one other guy there. And I didn't get permission to mention Dan, so I won't mention him by name. But, you know, (laughs) no comments on the screen, please. 8 a.m., there's me and Dan, working away, having a blast. I won't say the time, but shortly later, some other people showed up. Eleven o'clock, Henry Wall shows up, you know, (coughs) just pointing that out. Um, You know, second nap, I guess, in the morning. Just kidding. He shows up, and another person showed up, or another person was there before him, and then all of a sudden, another person shows up, and another person shows up, and another person shows up. I think at one point, we had seven people there. Why? To help me out. No other reason. We were not exactly having, woo, this is all (coughs) great, you know. Throw some more insulation in the air, you know. Um, We were working, but they were all there helping me out, and I appreciate it like crazy. Sometimes community is for you, sometimes community is all about you. Sometimes you have a need that needs to be met. Sometimes sacrifices need to be made for you, sometimes accountability needs to happen for you. Friends, A healthy community, though, goes the other way. I've told every one of these people that has helped me out, you ever need something, let me know, I want to help you as well. Community must go both ways. You cannot have a healthy community where only one person is the focal of all the energy. Community meets needs, it makes sacrifices for others, and it holds people accountable. Judy Fair, I asked her for permission to share this, and so I'm very thankful that she wrote this up for me and, and let me use this. This happened at Passion. And so she went with uh, um, three other girls and the guys that went, and, and here's what she wrote. About two weeks ago, I, got, I had an amazing chance to get to know some girls. I mean, I had known them all before, but not in a way that changed my life. We randomly sat down one night, the four of us, and just took time sharing all the stuff that is in our lives. It's so easy to rejoice in all the good that's in our life, but so difficult to share the pain. In the weirdest places, or in the weirdest place, God decided to do something for me, and for me it happened in a hotel elevator at four in the morning. Now I have something I have never thought I would find because I was too scared to share my sins with anyone. I have accountability partners. I was always too scared to share things in a big group of people, but somehow God opened up my heart and let me feel comfortable around a couple of people. These girls that I got to know so well in only three hours have become friends that I can turn to. It only took that one person to step up and say something and the others followed. I can say it is amazing what God is, is, did in my life with one or more people. All I had to do was let them. Someone once said that that's what church is about, a community that is there to encourage and pray for our sins and struggles. She didn't have a clue what I was preaching on, and it just fit perfect. I won't mention the other, other people's names, but there was three other girls that were there with them. And my understanding is they all knew each other. And the little line that she shared at that young adult, she says, we all knew each other, but we didn't know each other. It's just like, we were all like, oh yeah, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. But it took where they were intentional about sharing each other's struggles, where all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're all dealing with the same thing. I've shared this story before of youth camp last year walking to the beach and there was a, uh, one of the other leaders there and a group of, group of girls and uh, other people that were all together. And they started sharing. And this one girl in particular, she started sharing about some of the struggles that she had. And she went on for quite a while. And there's just questions, just good questions that she had about faith and about God and, and those sort of things. And, and all of a sudden she goes, okay, am I the only one that's struggling with this? And then her closest friend says, no, I'm struggling with the same thing. And you should have seen her face. She's like, what? Here we are, the closest friends, and you've never told me this? And her friend fires right back and says, You never told me this. And ah, you No, uh, none of that happened. <laughs> Maybe. It's too dark, I didn't see. But here's two friends who are sitting there going, We're struggling with the same thing. Can I say this? The reason they never shared their struggles with each other isn't that they don't trust each other. It wasn't that there was no environment within which to do it. There wasn't an environment where they were comfortable to share these hurts and struggles with each other. So community. Do you live in one? Do you live in one where your needs or where people are concerned about your needs? Do you live in one where people are making sacrifices for you? Do you live in one where people are holding you accountable or vice versa? That's sort of the sermon part of what I wanted to share today. And now I want to just kind of go over to a practical thing. And Pastor Steve and I, we had talked about doing this sermon together. And, and he's in there teaching the, the baptism class. And so this is where he was going to come up and share, share a thought. But I will do it for him and hopefully I will do as well as he, as he um, would have. We as this church, we have talked for years and years about starting small. People have asked us, why do you guys not have small groups? When are you going to have small groups? And I want to say to you, we are finally going to start small groups in this church. Oh, one clap, yeah. You were, you were in the previous sermon and now you stole my line. I'm like, oh, I thought you guys would all clap. But now you, way, to, way to lead that there, Brad. How is this going to work? Or maybe let's start with the why. Why small groups? Because I know some of you immediately, whoa, small groups? These things could actually happen. Um, so let's talk about the why. Why small groups? Simple answer. We're too big. We are too big. Did you know that there were two services today already? In this church? And if you're in this one, it's very likely that you were not in the German service. And it's very, very likely that you were not in the first English service. So we're, we're getting bigger. And one of the things that we find, and that is just common sense, is that you are bigger by accident, not on purpose, obviously, but it's easy to overlook people. So it's possible that you can attend quite a while, and, and you can walk up to the pastor and say, how you doing? And the pastor is going to have the deer in the headlights look at you and looking at you and saying, could you help me with your name again? And you look at the person, and you're like, wow, so you're new to the church? No, I've been coming three years. This has never happened to me, but it could happen. People come up to me in Walmart. Hey, Pastor Eich, how you doing? Good. How are you? Maria. And she, of course, knows her name right away. Oh, that's so-and-so. They have three kids. They, uh, he works there, and she works there. And, oh, um, okay. We were at their house yesterday. That's your mom, by the way. Um <coughs> crazy but you get bigger the church gets bigger and all of a sudden it's just not possible to know everybody i remember when we had the old building 1982 and we came here uh, it, it was and some of you guys are in and out here the kids and stuff like that and no one's bothering you you guys are you guys have it so easy back then we had a deacon he would chase you down. He'd twist your ear and say, what are you doing? And you know, I'd get back upstairs. Back then I was still Isaac. Get back upstairs and sit down with your parents. They're sitting in row four. We were a small place. We knew each other. And now it's possible. And I'm not saying anything negative about this church, but it's simply this. It is possible when you get bigger to lose some of that connection. That's why we want to start small groups. Now I see some of you are still like, well, you haven't convinced me yet. Here's another thing you need to know. We are not going to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 1, 2, 3, and okay, all the 8's over there, 7's over there, that's not how we're going to form the small groups. You are not going to be forced to do this. You are not going to be forced into a group at all. So how are we going to do this? Simple. Um, Steve has done this a few times and I'm simply taking stuff that he's uh, he's, uh, taught me and and he would be uh, leading some of this, especially at the beginning. What we want to do is we want to start, and I don't know why he calls it this, but Steve, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> just kidding. He'll <laughs> listen to this, I hope. Turbo groups. That's what they're called. Woo! You know, turbo group. Um, so here's what we want to do. We want to have <clears throat> about ten of you. Not couples necessarily. If you, wanna, if you just cannot separate, come together, please. Um, but we want about ten people who are going to say, I would like to be a leader of a small group. And some of you are just natural. You'd better step up because you've been doing it already. So we need ten people who are going to step up and say, I would like to be a leader of a small group. What we will do then is we will take this turbo group, we will form a small group with those people who, potential leaders. We will then be meeting six weeks in a row. I realize that sounds heavy, but it's necessary. Six weeks in a row for training we will model what it's like to be a small group. So that when you show up at the small group event, it'll look like what will happen when you are leading your small group. You'll have your six weeks of training, and then you will be called out to go and to find the people who will be in your small group. And one of the first things that you will do is find somebody, and if Maria and I were here, and, and I would say, well, she's a natural leader, she's very good with people, um, so I would immediately say, you know, Maria, I'd love for you to be in my small group, but I would also like to mentor you so that if our group gets too big, you will form a small group and probably take some of the people from our group. and then she'd take them all and I'd be left by myself because I want to be with Maria, not Ike. Um, and so that's one of the ways. there's much more detail about how this will happen. Now this question has been asked um, at a meeting. It has been asked now a few times, and so I feel I need to address it, and that's this question. That's, the question is this. What is the difference between a small group and a clique? Aren't we just creating cliques? And uh, this is a valid question. Um, I know when we talked about small groups within youth, it was one of the things that we often, often talked about. Why are we just putting cliques together? Here's the difference between small groups and cliques. Very simple. Cliques are exclusive. You join a clique, and then someone else comes around and says, Hey... Uh, how you guys doing? And a clique will like, you know, you're not wearing pink, and you're not part of us, or you don't have a certain kind of clothes on, or you're not, you know, whatever. Um, and you're not welcome to join that group. Small groups, everybody's welcome. And so I want to just give a little thread out here. If you ever try to join a small group, and they tell you you can't, you let me know, and I'll let Steve know who's Quite a bit bigger than me, and then we'll let all the other pastors know who are also all bigger than me and stronger at least. Then we'll let John Dyke know, and we'll get all the elders, and we'll get the maintenance team, and we'll get everybody we can. And you know, we'll go. We'll bring the women from the women's ministry too, right after a really nasty kitchen day, you know, where they're still ready to take it out on someone. And we will go make a visit to that small group leader and ask them this question: What are you thinking? Aren't you scared now? told you the sermon's over about five minutes ago and now we're just talking here. Um, the point is this. You can simply do this. I joined Maria's group and I'm like, oh my word. Nuh-uh. Then I go over here and I join the Barch's small group and I'm like, whoa, even worse. No, thank you. Um, and then I head over there and I join the Heinrich's group and it's like, hey, look at that. They make the most amazing cinnamon buns. I'm here. That's how this is going to work. You are able to move around. The point is this, basically. Sometimes we join a small group and it's like, no, I don't feel connected here. And it's something that we did with the youth as well. We, there it was a little different because we would put kids into groups. And some kids would literally call me and say, I just don't fit in this group. Okay, we need to move you. I hope I've sold this idea to you. <laughs> At least somewhat. We need to do this. And we need you all on board. Because, like I shared with that story, um, maybe there's somebody here today, and they're just being overlooked. It's not our fault. It's not their fault. The environment is simply creating a place, not a, is not creating a place where we're connecting. So our desire is that every single one of you is going to consider being part of a small group, and it's not just going to be you know oh let's make sure we hear about all the deeper struggles. No. Um, most likely the material that we're going to use for the small groups may even just be the sermons that we had on Sunday. And Pastor Steve does a sermon like a while ago on communion. And it was a sermon that nerves with different people. And it was good. Sermons should do that. You would now have a chance in your small group to sit down and say, let's talk about the sermon. Let's, let's not just have a sermon on Sunday and leave it at that. Let's talk amongst each other and see what, what, we, what more we can learn from them. So like I said, I trust that we have um, a place here that's ready to say, you know what? It is way overdue. We need to put these small groups into place so that our needs are met, um, so that we can sacrifice for one another and that we can hold one another accountable. If you have any questions, please talk to Pastor Steve and myself and we will try to answer more questions. All right. Oh, sorry about that. We're in a little overtime. You guys are great. Thank you for laughing at my jokes. It makes me feel so much better. But um, let's just... Close now with a word of prayer and then uh, we'll have the team come back up. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we have had some fun talking about some of this stuff. and But God, really what we want is we want a place that's ministering to one another. We want to be a place where we can be like to one another. We want to be the church. We don't want to just be a that has its own agenda, or purpose. Father, we want to be a place, whether it's in this larger setting or in a smaller setting, where we truly can examine our hearts. We can examine who we are and we can see uh, where we stand with You. Where we can encourage one another. Where we can just bless one another. We can pray for one another. I pray, God, for, for... this idea of small groups, I pray, God, that you would use it, and you would multiply it. Father, I pray that if anybody here today that's not connected somehow, God, I pray that in each one of us, we would have a desire to reach out and to get to know people. Lord, your place, your church, should never be where there's someone lonely. And So, Father, help us to connect with one another and to offer what you offer us, what you give us, to one another. In your name I pray. Amen.